0: you're listening to a message from Stonegate Church. For more information about Stonegate and additional audio resources, please visit stonegate.church. And a good word it is. You may have a seat there where you are. <clears throat> and if you want to grab your Bible and turn to Philippians chapter two, that would be helpful to have that out and open there on your lap. <clears throat> well, if you're new with us today, my name is Rodney and I'm one of the pastors here. And uh, Thank you so much for for joining us this morning. We're just praying that the Lord would meet you in the ways that your soul in particular needs today in ways that only he can. We're praying that that would happen over the next few minutes for you and that the Lord would really tend to your heart and minister to you. And if you are new today and this is your first time, under your seat, you should see a black card that says connect on it. And if you'll make sure you grab that card and fill it out at some point during the service, at the end of the service, we'll pass around an offering basket. And if you'll put that card in the basket, that would help us follow up with you and serve you going forward, which we would love to do. And secondly, there should be a green card under your seat. And if there's any way that we can pray for anyone in the room, we would love to do that. We would love to intercede for you. So if you fill that card out, the green card says prayer on it, put that in the basket at the end of the service. Uh, That would put you on our prayer list where we could do that and serve you in that way. So if that would be helpful for you, please feel free to do that as well today. Well, Stonegate, today is a special day in the life of our church. It's a special day. We have met in this building for over nine years, 110 months, over 440 Sundays, and our time in this building is coming to a close. We are right on the cusp of that, yep. Next Sunday, um, we're not going to be meeting here. We're going to be meeting in our new church home, our new base for mission over off Walnut Grove. in 287. And it's, it's been interesting for me to, to just, just work through just all the things that I've been feeling over the last couple of weeks. Now, it's, it, this has been a, a fairly common question for someone to come up to me and ask me, um, how do you feel about all this stuff that's going on? And uh, my response is it's kind of complex. I, I feel a lot of different things. And, and one, th- I would say the overarching feeling is one of a ton of sweetness, um, but at the same time, there's definitely some bitter mixed in. And if I were just to tease out the bitter, uh, when I think, and I mean, I could just barely make it through this in the first service today, thinking about um, the blessing that this particular place has been for this particular people. If you know the story of Stonegate, you know that just such a huge piece of our story has been the ability to meet in this building for nine years. Uh, when we first started meeting here in 2009, we had about a six-month runway in this building, and then it was like, you better find the place you're going next, and you can't blink in six months, you know? And, uh, and if you know that story, you know that like the Lord just jumped right in the middle of that. And here we are now nine years later, reaping the benefits of the Lord gifting us this particular building. Uh, you know, when I think about this building, I remember our first public meeting. We had about 140 or 50 people. It was back in the days where we didn't have that the whole room. Like we had just the front room. We had this big wall across it. Our preschool met back there. We're kind of the back half the room is, is sitting now. And uh, I just remember that first meeting. Just I couldn't believe anybody showed up. I couldn't believe it. And, but they did. And and the Lord has just done so many things over the years. I remember just a few months um after that first meeting. This was in February. Uh, we had a big chili cook-off, watched the Super Bowl together. Some of y'all probably got awards for your chili, that that particular Super Bowl. <clears throat> I remember uh, I remember our first convert, the, the first person that Jesus used the people of Stonegate uh, to rescue. And I remember the first time we baptized, uh, the first person that Jesus rescued in this particular place. Um, I, I remember just over and over again, people coming in and us gathering together as a church family right here in this place and people leaving knowing that they've met with God. That This place has been the place where all of those sort of things have happened. So in that way, uh, when I finish today and when I walk out today, it's gonna be with a lot of tears in my eyes thinking about just the joyful sort of provision and blessing that this place has been to this church family. I'm just so... So deeply grateful for that. And that's gonna be something that I'm gonna have to personally grieve as we walk out of here. And I know that many of you will have to grieve as we walk out of here. And at the same time, there is a ton of sweetness when I think about um, this particular moment in our church family. Like this Sunday, in a lot of ways, is the the last page of this chapter in our church's life. That's gotta be grieved. And next Sunday is the first page of a new chapter in our church family's life. And it's a chapter that I just look at and I'm looking down the road of with just such joyful expectation of what all the Lord has in store for us. The future of Stonegate Church is as bright as it has ever been. And I just, I can't even imagine what in the next year, five years, 10 years, 20 years, the Lord is going to have for us, that this precious people that make up this church family. And so in light of this day being what it is, it's it's an abnormal day. It's a special day in the light of our church. What I would like to do is to look at the the back half of Philippians chapter 2, and I want to point out something that Paul does. It's a really unique thing that I would love for us to think about for a few minutes, and then we're going to spend the back half of the sermon. This is going to be a little bit different because I'm not even going to preach in the back half of the sermon. We're just going to actually do what it is that Paul says we should do here. We're just going to kind of put it, I just want to comment on what he's doing and what he says to do, and then we're just going to kind of put that into action and just spend the back half of our sermon just doing that thing. So in light of that, let me just give you the context of Philippians. Think about what Paul is doing in the book of Philippians. He is commending and even commanding us to get about the work of a few things. Like if you look at at Philippians chapter one, verse 27, he says, let your life be worthy of the gospel of Jesus Christ. I live in such a way where you are reflecting God's grace to you in Jesus. That, that's the way you should live. If you go on to Philippians chapter 2, verses 3 through 5, Paul says, do nothing from selfish ambition or vain conceit. I, he's saying, pay attention to the, to the motives that, that are lurking under the surface of what you do. And don't do things out of out of selfish ambition or vain conceit, but in humility count others as more significant than yourselves. Let each of you look not only to his own interests, but also to the interests of others. Keep your eyes open to the needs and interests of those around you. And then he says in verse 5 of Philippians 2, he says, have, Have this mind in you, the same mind that Jesus has. Think like that. See like that. Like, this is the way I want you to to see your life and to see the world, the same way that Jesus sees his life and the world. And then he goes on in Philippians chapter two and verse 12 and says, work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Like, we should have an ambition for more of Jesus to be formed in us. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Then you get to verse 14 of Philippians chapter two. And Paul says, do nothing or do all things without grumbling or disputing. Gosh, we probably need to hear that. Like, live your life, like receive what God has for your life. And don't wish you had another life, their life or their life, but it's your life, the one God has given you. And live that life without grumbling or complaining with a genuine gratefulness for God for the life that he's given you. Do all things without grumbling or disputing. And then right in the middle of Philippians chapter 2, in verses 6 through 11, it's really the centerpiece of the letter uh, to the church in Philippi. It's, it's the centerpiece. And it's the, it's the moment when Paul highlights the mind of Jesus or the life of Jesus. Uh, Paul highlights his descent, his exaltation way up here. He's, Jesus is in heaven, highly exalted. And then here's the descent of Jesus. He, he puts on human flesh. He inserts himself into a mother's womb. He becomes a man, servant of all, and he descends all the way down into death, and not just any death, but death on a cross. A death that is meant to highlight humiliation. A death that is meant to produce shame for the one that's dying. He humbles himself all the way down into that. Then you get to the end of Philippians chapter two, and Paul, he sort of chases the proverbial rabbit. It's like he, he, he's got this train of thought going, and then he thinks about this and he just jumps over here and he just spends two paragraphs over here chasing the rabbit. Here's the rabbit that he chases in verses 19 to the end of the chapter. He starts thinking about two men in the church in Philippi and he stops and spends two paragraphs honoring those two men. Two paragraphs just saying, hey, church in Philippi, these are people in and around your church that you know, that, that you love, and they are honorable men, and you should honor those men. He, he spends two, two, two paragraphs doing that, looking at the church and saying, you should honor them. You, you should be about church in Philippi. Uh, you should be about the work of, of creating and cultivating a culture of honor in your church. A church that looks at people and honors them, affirms them, says, looks at them and says, I see God at work in you. And, and it would be a, a way to serve Jesus by looking at you and saying that to you, by verbally expressing that to you. So, so I, I wanted to show you this culture of honor that, that Paul is, is helping create in this church in Philippi, a culture of honor. You, you see it first with our man, Timothy. This is the first person that he highlights. Now, if you want to do a great kind of word study or a character study in the New Testament, just take Timothy and track him throughout the New Testament. He's really an amazing person. Um, Timothy was with Paul when when the the church in Philippi was started. So Timothy, he got to see Lydia outside the city down by the river, meet Jesus, the first convert to Jesus in the city that started the church. He got to see this um, enslaved, demonized girl redeemed by Jesus, second convert second Christian to help make up the church. He got to see all of this go down in Philippi. He he was there when the church started. And and Timothy was a man who who loved the church in Philippi. He cared for that church. As much as Paul cared for that church, Timothy cared about that church. He had blood, sweat, and tears invested into that, the, the precious people who made up the church in Philippi. And then in verse 19, Paul just, he just takes a step back and he wants to affirm him. He wants to honor Timothy. Here's what he says about him. I hope in the Lord Jesus to send Timothy to you soon so that that I too may be cheered by news of you. And look what he says in verse 20. For I have no one like Timothy. Man, I don't have anybody like him. He's, when Paul thinks of Timothy, Paul Paul thinks like this, that that man is one of a kind. Out of the people I know, I I don't know anybody else like him. This person is unique. He is special in some ways. The grace of God has been formed in him in ways that I want you to notice. And and look at what he goes on to say about why he has no one else like him. Here's why. For I have no one like him. Here's what's so special about Timothy. Who will be genuinely concerned for your welfare. For they all seek their own interests, but not those of Jesus Christ. Paul is saying, here's, here's what makes Timothy so unique. Here's why I have no one else like him. It's because everyone else is trying to exalt themselves. They're trying to get their piece of the pie. They're trying to get what, they, what they're owed. Everybody's thinking like that other than Timothy. Timothy is this man who is constantly laying down his life for, for you, church in Philippi. This is the man who exalts your needs above his own. This is the man who, when he wakes up, he's thinking about what you need before he thinks about what he needs. He's genuinely concerned for your welfare. He's genuinely seeking your interest above his own. And isn't this interesting? That is the way that he's thinking about Jesus. The way he is honoring Jesus, Timothy, is by thinking about this church before he thinks about himself. By thinking about the bride before he thinks about his own life. Then in verse 22, but you know Timothy's, Proven worth. Paul's affirming him. He's honoring him. You know this man has been tested and he has been proven in his worth. How as a son with the father, he has served with me in the gospel. He has been right there along with Paul, serving with Paul. I hope therefore to send him just as soon as I see how it will go with me. And I trust in the Lord that shortly I myself will come also. Now, now this is Timothy. Now, if you read the the book of Acts, here's what you're going to find. You're going to find him right by Paul's side throughout the book of Acts. And you're going to find a man who will do anything for the good of the church and the advancement of the gospel. That's what you're going to find in Timothy. He will do anything for that. So, so here's what you find. You just start looking in the book of Acts. Here, here's the sort of things that you find. He was a part of Paul's gospel pioneering efforts. Paul is breaking gospel ground, places that have never heard of Jesus. He's taken Jesus there and Timothy's right by his side. Um, he carried, uh, Timothy carried money from Philippi to Corinth. In other words, Timothy is a trustworthy person. You can give him something like that and trust that it's going to get to the right place and to the right people. Uh, When Paul was thrown in jail, like he's writing this letter from jail, Timothy is right there by his side, caring for his needs. When the church in Berea needed help, Paul left Timothy in Berea to kind of straighten things out, to clean up the mess, to kind of make things right in Berea. Uh, When the church in Ephesus needed a pastor, who did Paul send? He sent Timothy to go to Ephesus to serve those those precious people in Ephesus. Uh, Timothy was the man doing all of that. And one of the scenes I admire maybe as much as any other scene in relationship to to Timothy is in Acts 16. Now, this is how far Timothy will go to make sure there's a human soul. Here's the good news of Jesus. I'm going to remove every obstacle between the good news of Jesus and that human soul. This is how far Timothy would go. Timothy is Greek. And uh, in Acts 16, they are ministering to some Jewish folk. But Timothy's Greek. And so Paul comes to Timothy and he's like, Timothy, I don't even know how to say this to you. I don't know even how to bring this up. You're Greek, they're Jewish. Timothy, you're a grown man, but you're gonna have to be circumcised. Now I'm just saying, this is the moment where I'm bailing. Paul, I love you, but I'm out. But Timothy is like, all right, If that's what it means, let's do this. This is Timothy. I don't know how that conversation goes, but he just, his hand is always up and whatever it looks like to advance the gospel of Jesus Christ, Timothy is saying yes to God. If I can remove an obstacle, I'll pay the price to see that obstacle removed. If I can help by by laying down my life, get the gospel over there or over there or over there, I'm a yes, God, you just tell me what needs to happen and when and I'll do it. This is our man, Timothy. And Paul takes a step back, looks at Timothy in this church and says, that's a man you should honor. I wanna watch you, church in Philippi, I wanna let you watch me honor this man. And then he gets to Epaphroditus. This is verse 25. Another paragraph. I have thought it necessary to send to you Epaphroditus. So, so Paul, the, the church in Philippi sent Epaphroditus to Paul, to deliver some things that would help Paul. Now, Paul is sending Epaphroditus back, probably carrying this letter. Now, Epaphroditus is not a elder in the church. He's not a pastor. He's probably not even a deacon. He is a faithful church member. That's what Epaphroditus is. And Paul is affirming him. He he takes a step back to honor a faithful church member. He says, I'm sending back to you Epaphroditus. And then look at what he says about Epaphroditus. My brother my fellow worker and fellow soldier. He's honoring him. In a lot of ways, he's giving us a glimpse of what Christian ministry is. Here's a picture of Christian ministry. My brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier. He says, fellow worker. That's ministry. It's work. It's hard. Jesus never promised anyone that ministry would be easy. The gospel ministry would be a breeze. He never, pro- it's gonna be hard fellow worker. When I think about what has made Stonegate happen over the last nine years, it has been the Lord working in people's hearts so that they could look at hard ministry and say yes to hard ministry. For instance, um, there have been people working 40, 50, 60 hours a week in their normal job, the job that God has them in, and yet those same people hold up their hand and say, yep, I'll be the person that comes up on Saturday night at 11 p.m. And I'll stay as long as it takes to get this place ready so that we can, act, just so we can get to the point of it being ready to set up on a Sunday morning. That, that, is, that is the labor of ministry. That's the work of ministry. Uh, there's been people working 40, 50, 60 hours a week that raise up their hand and say, yep, I'll get up at 5.30 on a Sunday morning. I'll meet you here at six to set up the chairs that you're sitting in so that you can come in and enjoy a Sunday morning with Jesus. I'll raise up my hand to do that. There, there's people who get here early on Sunday morning, stay late so that, they are, so that you can have, when you walk in, so that you can enjoy a hospitable environment. Our connection team does a great job in that, but that is them laboring to, to lay down their life so that you can enjoy Jesus in that way. There's people who get here early, stay late every Sunday so that when you bring your kid and you drop them off in a classroom, your kid leaves knowing more about Jesus and being loved and prayed for on that particular Sunday morning. That, that is the work of ministry. It's, it's work, it's, it's hard. And Paul is acknowledging that. Epaphroditus has been in that hard work, doing that hard work. He's a fellow worker. He's a fellow soldier. That, that's Christian ministry. Ministry, gospel ministry is warfare. There's a real enemy. His name's Satan. He has real schemes to steal, kill, and destroy people. And Christian ministry means engaging in that warfare. That's what Epaphroditus has been doing. And Paul acknowledges that. This is a brother who has been laboring and he's been laboring in that warfare. He's a a fellow soldier with me in that warfare. And then he calls Epaphroditus, my brother. He's not just a fellow worker and fellow soldier. This is my brother. This is a man that I love. Now, if you wanna know, What melds two human hearts in a really deep way together? Just put them in a foxhole together for a while, right? Like you you give a couple of people, a group of people, one ambition to see the name of Jesus exalted, his bride served. You, You give a group of people that ambition and then you let them become fellow workers and fellow soldiers in that ambition? that they start making sacrifices for that. They start laying down their life for that. They get shot along the way for that. They start doing all of that. And it won't be long, if you'll jump in with a group of people like that, that you're gonna look around and start saying this about those people. That's my fellow sister. That, that's my fellow brother. That, that one right there. Yep, she's my sister. It's not gonna be long before you start feeling like that about the group of people you're laboring and, and, and warring beside. He, he affirms a paraphrase. my, my "'Brother, my fellow worker and fellow soldier.'" And then he goes on, "'And your messenger and minister to my need, "'for he has been longing for you all "'and has been distressed because you heard that he was ill. "'Indeed he was ill, near to death, "'but God had mercy on him and not only on him, "'but also on me, lest I should have sorrow upon sorrow. "'I am the more eager to send him therefore "'that you may rejoice at seeing him again "'and that I may be less anxious.'" So receive him in the Lord with all joy, verse 29, and honor, that's a command, and honor such men, honor them. Now, is that gonna be a way of, of making a church all about people and not about Jesus? No, Paul is saying, here's the way you honor Jesus in your church. When you see Jesus doing things in the life of people that are honorable, you commend that. You, you, you stop and you say, that is honorable. That is a wonderful thing that you see in that human life. He says, honor such men, for he nearly died for the work of Christ, risking his life to complete what was lacking in your service to me. Honor such men. To honor something means to assign weight to them. That same word honor, uh, that same Greek word is translated in other places as valuable, as precious. So that's saying something about how to honor people. To, To honor a person is to say, that is precious. And now I want to assign value to how precious that is. I want to look at you and I want want you to know that you're valuable. I want to assign value. I want to assign importance to that. I I don't want to just think nice thoughts about you. I'm going to actually say that thought in an effort to assign value to you. That's what it means to honor someone. And this is what This is what Paul is commending. This is what he's saying a church should do, that they should create a culture of honor. And then they should cultivate that culture by by being people who are constantly looking for ways to honor other people. Uh, Listen to my friend, Ray Ortland describe this. And I, I want you to, it's a little bit of a long quote. I want you to get all the way to the end. And there's a question that I just want you to consider and think about. So hang with me all the way to the end of it. He says, but we who are destined for glory are now commanded by God to create alternative cultures of honor called churches. A church should be a place that creates and cultivates a culture of honor. That's what a church should be. Here's what that culture or a church should, should look like. Where people are lifted up, their accomplishments celebrated, their strengths admired, their weaknesses forgiven. That's what a culture of honor would look like. People lifted up, their accomplishments celebrated, their strengths admired, weaknesses forgiven. That's all the sort of texture of what a, when you bump into a culture of honor that you're going to bump into. Now, one reason, just as a parenthetical, one reason that that we need to pay attention to this. Like we should be people honoring honorable people and honorable things. One reason we should pay attention and and do that is because what we we emulate what we honor. So, so we, we copy what we command. So when, when we honor something, we are saying, this is what we should all be. I want to be more like that. Parents, we should all pay very close attention to what we honor in our house, what we praise in our house. Because in a lot of ways, we are cutting the tracks in our kid's heart for what they will one day want to become. We, we emulate what we honor. We copy what we commend. This is one reason why we need to commend commendable things. We need to honor honorable things. Ray Orland goes on. This new relational environment of of a culture of honor has high standards in keeping with the glory of the gospel itself. Faithfulness to the gospel requires more of us than adherence to a a doctrinal statement. Doctrine is massively important, but you can have great doctrine and still be a jerk, right? So, So he goes on. Faithfulness to Jesus, faithfulness to the gospel also requires of us a whole new way to treat one another, a way marked by glory and honor. To, to honor people, not just think nice thoughts, but to, but to say them in front of them, in front of others, in front of their kids. That, that's how we create a culture of honor. Every one of us has a part to play in our church family, creating and cultivating a culture of honor. And here's the part we all have to play. Every time you see something honorable, you honor it. Every time you see the grace of God being formed in a human heart, you point that out as a grace of God being formed in that human heart. That's how we all contribute to creating a culture of honor. Now, look at this last sentence. It's a question in this quote. So, so we should be creating this culture of honor. And then here's the last question Who couldn't flourish there? I mean, who couldn't? It's a rhetorical question. In other words, you could, I could, every human being could. Doesn't the world need to brush into more churches who when they brush into that church, part of what they brush into is a culture of honor. So quick to commend the commendable, to honor the honorable. Wouldn't that be such a refreshing experience for everyone? Couldn't we all flourish in a place like that? So here is what I want us to do now. I want us to put that into practice. Paul says, honor such men. So I just want us to take time now to honor what's honorable, to commend what's commendable, for us just to to do that, to put that into practice. So rather than me doing that, I've asked a couple of our ministry leaders to come out. So you guys just make your way out. And I've just, these guys have been over, set up, tear down, student ministry, kids. I mean, just a variety of things in our church. I'm just gonna ask them to take some time and for us just to be able to, to practice this, to honor such men and such women. So we'll start down there on the end with you, Kevin, and do this.
1: Good morning. You guys doing all right? Yeah. You bet. Uh, if
0: you guys had
1: uh, served on the Teardown team any time since you're here, if, if that's you, I want you guys to stand. Yes. That's a, uh, thank you so much. When, when most people are, are home or out at a restaurant eating, these guys are working, tearing this place down, and I'm super thankful uh, for you guys. I just want to uh, kind of highlight a couple of guys, and these kind these guys g- exemplify the rest of our crew. Uh, Jim Weaver uh, and Kathy Weaver uh, and your family, you guys have done such a great job over the years, and uh, Paul Fletcher, I think, of the Mitchells, and uh you know, and there's so many other guys that, that we're so thankful for you guys and your sacrifice. So I just wanted to say thank you guys, and just wanted to honor you this morning
2: If you have ever served in kids ministry, would you please stand up? Yes. <laughs> wow. That's amazing. These are the Eli's. These are the people that are building into the life of the future generation of Stonegate. It's absolutely incredible what you guys do. One family that I really, really would like to just, um, uh, offer grace to and, and kind of recognize them is the hall family levi and olivia hall and one of the reasons why they stand out to me is because they serve alongside their children and i know that many of us serve alongside our children but their um kids dylan david summer and hannah not just get don't just get to watch their parents serve, but they're in there tearing down tables, carrying out all mm-hmm.
0: rugs and
2: doing all that. And the example is just incredible. Mm. And it's just, you know,
0: we couldn't do it without them. Are they in this service, by the way? I think they're in the first service. They're in the first okay. Gotcha. Yeah.
3: All right. Hey, my name is Tony Robinson. And if you are serving as a home group leader or coach, any of that, can you please stand up? Yes. 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 Amen. <laughs> we love you guys so much. Y'all, y'all can have a seat. And uh, the great thing about home groups is you don't need no church building to have home groups. Am I right? Amen. Yep. That's right. Yeah. So um, we have a few people that I feel like have um, just gone above and beyond. And really a lot of our home groups home group leaders are, serving in multiple capacities in our church. And uh, the Tidmores uh, come to mind as well, Chase and Melissa Tidmore. They serve on the Connect team on Sunday mornings as well as um, just home group leading. And the the word that comes to mind for them is linger. Um, They're always the last people um, at a service or an event just talking with people um, and just always sticking around way too long, uh, which is a good thing. And then, uh, But they also have taught me so much about what it means to linger um, in the Lord. Um, and, and, and abide in the Spirit. So I'm really thankful for, for them. Another uh, couple that comes to mind are the Browns, Chris and Carrie Brown. Uh, they serve as home group leaders and also on the Connect team uh, before there was even a Connect team, which is kind of cool. And they are just great. And uh, it seems like they're always going through hard uh, all the time. And they and they serve the Lord and go through that hard with uh, with a smile on their face, um, loving the Lord. And so I'm just super thankful for couples like that.
4: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yep. absolutely.
5: There are three different kinds of setup teams. There is the worship and media up here. There is the Saturday night, 11 p.m., midnight crew, and the the Sunday morning, 6 a.m. crew. If you have at any point, in any capacity, served on those three teams, would you please stand right now so we can honor you? I want to see you. And if you guys. Thank you so much for serving in such a thankless capacity. Uh, The way you serve really exemplifies Jesus. And two people in particular, we just want to honor this morning. We're both in the last hour. Uh, And the first one is Bill Stewart. Bill has been serving on Setup Team since day one of Stonegate nine years ago. And I'll never forget uh, last year, uh, Bill, Bill apologized to me profusely for having to miss a Sunday because his grandson was born. And I was like, Bill go be with your grandson. Uh, And the other is Greg Miller. Greg, since day one, been serving faithfully. He had open heart surgery this year. And within a couple months later, shows up on a Sunday morning to our surprise, Greg, what are you doing here? He said, I just couldn't, I couldn't stay away. And so uh, thank you to Greg and Bill and that team for your faithful service. Mm -hmm. And uh, absolutely, yes. And and everyone's favorite ministry in the church, if at any point, (laughs) that's subjective, I know, but if at any point you have served in student ministry capacity, as a small group leader, set up, tear down band, a host home, would you please stand so we can thank you and honor you for serving in student ministry? And would you guys please remain standing for just one brief moment? There's a couple people that come to mind. Uh, The first person was in the last hour. Uh, was Zach Wright. When I think about Zach, uh, the word loyal comes to mind. Uh, Zach's been a right-hand guy and has served so faithfully. Mm-hmm. So thank you to Zach. An- another couple is Dan and Tricia Hutchins. Uh, yeah. Dan served as our youth pastor here the first five years. And we would not be reaping the fruit we are today without Dan's faithful gospel work in this community. Mm-hmm. And so thank you to Dan Hutchins and Tricia. And the last person that I just want to acknowledge and say thank you to is, is you, Stephanie Daniel. Thank you so much for being the longest tenured student ministry volunteer for seven years Mm -hmm. and faithfully pouring your heart out to these students year after year. You really embody Jesus the way you serve. Mm -hmm. Thank you all so much.
0: And I wanna honor one more person before we move on to the last little part of our service this morning. Uh, and that person is Dave Hansen. So Dave, would you just mind just coming right on up? And I, I would love for you to come up here. You're gonna be a part of the next part anyway, so you might as well get up here now. Uh, back in June, Dave, uh, Dave hit his five-year mark as an elder in our church. I've uh, Been just faithfully laying down his life and serving in our church for the last five years. And uh, Dave, I just want to, in front of all these folks, look at you again in the second hour, and say to you, what a gift you have been to our church. Uh, You know, when I think of Dave, his giftings is such a unique, weird thing from the Lord. And I I was, this last week, you'll see when I talk about it here. It's like, I I don't know many people like that. Uh, But uh, his giftings, I think, fall into four primary buckets and you, if you know, Dave, you have reaped the benefit of probably every one of these four buckets. There is a wisdom gifting from God that uh, he, is, he is likely sit down for many of you in the room. Many of you have, have felt this moment of him sitting down in front of you, you posing a question and him being so helpful and getting a right answer to it. Um, so he's got the gift of wisdom that is really remarkable. Um, you've got the gift of leadership. Uh, I, think, I think it would be fair to say that Dave is the best leader I've ever kind of worked in and around just an exceptionally gifted leader. Uh, there's the gift of faith that has been such an encouragement to me uh, that it's hard for me to even put words onto that. And there is the gift of generosity that all like that four sort of bucket gifts come, I got, it's, it's like God just gave you an extra dose of gifting that all four of those reside in you have been planted so deeply in you and you can't help but when you bump into to you, for those giftings to come back onto people around you. It, it's, it's an unbelievable thing. And I, I wanna just say a couple of things about Dave and just our church family over the last five years as he has been just so faithfully serving it and um, right in the middle of it. We have done a lot of, uh, I, I would just say there's, the, Jesus has enabled us to do some extraordinary things over the last five or six years that are really remarkable. And I think it's so important for you as a church family to know explicitly, that Dave has been at the tip of the spear in virtually every one of those. And so when I think about like, even the gift of this building, how God gifted us this place for nine years, um, so much of that was Dave's giftings interplaying in meetings and relationships to make that happen. It it probably does not happen apart from the Lord bringing Dave and Dave's giftings playing out in the way that they did for the sake of our church family. Um, it, It probably doesn't happen. Uh, when it comes to the 12 acres that we originally bought that we thought we were going to build on dave was at the tip of the spirits it's god using those giftings that he put in you to see those things through then we end up selling that and then we buy the uh, the 13 acre and the 12 or the 10 acre tract that make our 23 acres where our new church home is um, that was so much of dave's giftings working in and making so many of those things possible uh, then we just here recently bought that 33 acres right across the street from our new church home and I mean all of those dave has just been at the tip of the spear, they do not happen apart from that four bucket kind of gift that Dave brings to the table, apart from the Lord using those. And Dave, one of the things that when I think about you, I just just see so much of like that Timothy and Epaphroditus-ness in you, just the willingness to receive the giftings that God has given you, to lay those before the Lord and to seek to leverage those for a good of a people that I know you would look at and they're precious to you. And I just, I so love that. One of the things that I tell uh, church planters all the time is I pray that they will have a Dave in their life, that they'll have a Dave, that God will bring them a Dave. I think every church planter needs a Dave That, that has that sort of gift mix around a church planter. We would not be where we are today as a church family apart from God using Dave for our church. We just, we wouldn't be there, Dave. And I want you to know that when I think about the story of our church, we wouldn't be there. Um, when, when You're gonna walk in and experience our new building next week, the, the, our new church home. When you walk in there, you're, you're gonna see just, it's, it's amazing. It's really amazing. And when you see it, I would just love if there was a thought that came into your mind that you would just know this, that, that what you're seeing next week was first seen through the eyes of Dave years ago. That that's the sort of ways that God has gifted Dave and then used Dave for this church family. And so, Dave, I just want to look at you and say how much we love and appreciate you. you. We want to honor honorable men, and you're an honorable man. And I love you. Thank you. <laughs> love you, brother. Mm-hmm. Yeah. and I've got a gift for you in that and one of the things that I love is that I know that this moment in the life of our church as we make this transition means as much to you as anyone in our church and I just hope that you are so refreshed by that and encouraged by that so brother I sure do love you thank you
2: Mm -hmm. I thought you were calling me up here to get circumcised
0: (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> moving on, moving on, moving on. <laughs> oh, okay, we've recovered. Um, the last part of our service now is maybe the sweetest part. That's good. Pull it, in, pull it in. Right, it's right there pull it back. (laughs) We get a chance to install two elders to end our service. And I think it just fits into the theme of honoring honorable men and women. So we get to do that to finish that. So uh, Kevin and Ryan and Jimmy and Kelly, uh, Guy and Julie, y'all come on up and uh, we get to do that for the end of our service today. And as they're kind of making their way up, let me just say a couple of things and about eldership generally. Eldership is a big deal to us because it's a huge thing to God. Uh, when it comes to the bride of Christ, one of the things God is most particular about and cares most about is who shepherds his bride. And, uh, and because of that, it's a really serious thing to us. We want to have Right, good, godly shepherds. And when it comes to any of these men on the stage, none of them are perfect. And as we install uh, Guy and Jimmy today, they aren't perfect people. They're not perfect men. And I just wanna encourage you not to assign that weight to any human being. That, that one's just reserved for Jesus, that, that uh, you know perfect ideal. Um, but I can't say this about them. We have spent years with them now. We have tested their character and they're honorable men. They're men with deep character and, uh, and I think they are going to be wonderful under shepherds in the life of our church. I'm so confident they're going to be people who over the long haul will consistently lay down their life for you to help and encourage you. And I think that's what we've got up here. So in light of that, we're going to spend just a couple of minutes affirming uh, both of these two men and their um, wonderful wives. So we're going to start down there with Guy and Julie. Uh, Guy, when I think about you, I think of a man who personally I respect so much. And I think one of the character qualities that you uh, that God has formed in you is that you're, you're so respectable. You're an honorable man. Um, when I think about Isaiah 61, um, that whole reference and just metaphor of an oak of righteousness, you're the sort of person that I think Isaiah is referring to that is the Lord forming that in you and doing that in you. And we just want to look at you to say, today and say, we see that. That that is obvious. It's an obvious fruit of the Spirit in your life. And you have, um, over time, shown that you've been a faithful husband to your precious wife, Julie. That you've been a faithful dad to your kids and now grandchild. That, that you have been, you've been faithful in all of those sorts of ways. And man, we just love you and we could not think more highly of you. Um, I ask a few people for some words that come to mind when they think of Guy. And here were a few of the things that that people gave me. Humble, patient, consistent, servant-hearted, others-focused, wise, tender-hearted. I love that you're a crier, that you can get down there. (laughs) That's right, you can get down there really easily. Um, You're an encourager. One of the young guys in your home group said that you're fatherly. And I love that about you, Guy. All of that is evidence of the Lord's work in your life. And Julie, as good as Guy is, we just thank the world of you too. I think he found a better wife. And uh, I'm so thankful for your tenderheartedness. So thankful for your love for our church family. Um, When you you look upon these people, I know that you love them too. And we're so, so thankful for that.
1: Yeah. A couple of years ago, I met Guy and Julie and I got to know Guy (laughs) <laughs> and uh, so I started uh, sending him people to care for and just kind of watching him and, and how he interacts with them and how he shepherded them. And uh, to me, like, this is an absolute no-brainer. I mean, he, he has lived this out, uh, the position. And I'm, I'm thrilled to death that uh, you're getting installed today. And Julie, you're, you're fantastic as well. I mean, how you sit and you care for people. And, and uh, I mean, you guys, there's two couples here that you guys are getting A+. plus really, really proud of him. So, great.
4: Yeah, and guy, I would just say one of the qualifications uh, that Paul mentions to Timothy uh, for being an elder is sober-mindedness, and I think you <laughs> exemplify sober-mindedness. So, you lead out of a deep well of experience and maturity and wisdom, and you've been a huge gift to Stonegate, and I think to uh, to me personally, and I'm super thankful for you. And uh, The word that comes to mind when I think about it is just earnest. So, mm-hmm. You're a man who says what he means and means what he says and just walks the walk. You led by example. Uh, I said in the first service that even this last week as we've had so many things going on for the building, to watch you just jump in and the work ethic that the Lord's given you and how you lead by example truly is encouraging and uh, exemplary for the rest of us. Yeah,
0: Yeah. you bet. And uh, Jimmy and Kelly, we want to take a moment to affirm both of you. Um, You are just such precious people. And uh, Jimmy, when I think about you, uh, I am so grateful, first of all, for your work in the home, that you're a faithful husband to your wife, Kelly, to your good husband, that you have been a faithful dad, that you've been a really good dad to your precious girls and to that sweet son of yours. And uh, and then I'm also grateful, and by the way, I'm just grateful that you prioritize that, that you want to be a wonderful dad and a wonderful husband. I, I just am so thankful for that. And I'm also grateful for your work in our church that uh, I am so confident when I look upon these people and when you look upon these people, we both feel something really deeply for them. And I'm grateful for the way that you have led us in song. I'm grateful for the way that you have led us through opening the Bible and preaching it. Um, I'm grateful how you have uh, steered our, the style of our worship and our music to um, a style and a place that can engage more backgrounds, more people from more back- I'm just so grateful for your great work in our church. So, so grateful for that. And I asked a few people about some words that would uh, would kind of describe Jimmy. And here were some of the words that came back. Funny. I've taught him everything I know on that. So (laughs) for whatever it's worth. Uh, Loves Jesus, lover of God's word, an amazing husband and father, sober-minded, wise, a leader, creative, able to teach, hospitable, a serious discipler. And what a great gift that is to any church to have a man that God is forming those sort of qualities in. I just love that. And Kelly, uh, just to affirm you for a second, I am so grateful for you. I know that when you look upon these, these precious people too, there is a sincere desire in you to wanna to see our ladies mature and grow and to become everything that God would have them become. So thank you for that. I mean, that is evidence of the Lord's work in your soul. hmm Yeah,
2: yeah. I would second every one of those words, Jimmy. It's been uh, awesome to get to know you over the last couple of years really well. And uh, we've all benefited from Jimmy's wisdom and ability to teach the word, uh, obviously his music. And and many of you may not know this, Rodney has invested his musical.
0: That's right. into Jimmy. That's right.
2: It's been really good.
0: Doing what I can. I'm just, you know,
2: here to serve. But more than that, those are obvious gifts and we all see those, but more than that, has just uh, been a pleasure and a real witness to me getting to know Jimmy's heart and just his desire to be in the Word and to lead his uh, group of people (coughs) that have been put underneath him uh, and teach them and just raise his family and love his family well. For me, at 60 years old, to see a man at this age exhibit those qualities is uh, just an incredible testimony Mm. to me, Jimmy. And I I sit here and I think how many years Jimmy will be in the church in the future that he has in front of him. What a great and tremendous blessing that is. And, Kelly, yeah. the two of you together make an amazing team. As, yeah. as Rodney said, uh, the two of you just uh, become four, essentially, when you're yeah. side by side. So we love you both and cannot wait for you to begin to work in the elder team and move forward. Mm-hmm.
4: Love you. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, I'll just add really quick to uh, Jimmy's become a faithful friend. And I've gotten the chance to just watch your deep, passionate love for Jesus that exhibits itself in so many different ways, from the way you love Kelly to the way you love your kids to the way you love uh, the people of Stonegate. And uh, Rodney's right. You are exceptionally gifted at both uh, music and worship leading and teaching. But my favorite thing about you is your love for Jesus far surpasses your talent. And that's not always the case for people. Uh, So to see what the Lord's done in your (laughs) life, to take a very gifted man but to have your character and your love for Jesus even surpassing that is a pretty exceptional thing. So I'm thankful for that. Mm-hmm.
0: You bet. So I've got gifts for them. So I'm going to give you guys this first. And then uh, I would love for us to take a moment to pray uh, for the Minixes, for Guy, and then for Jimmy and for Kelly. And Dave, would you mind, this is kind of be our installation moment, so I just want to invite you to pray with them and for them. And Dave, would you mind praying for Guy? And uh, Ryan, would you pray for Jimmy? Father, we uh, come
2: before you this morning just humbled Mm -hmm. uh, by the men that you have brought to this church and your provision for our church. And we think of Guy this morning, Lord, we just lift him up to you, ask that you would have your hand upon him and his family, that you Mm -hmm. would just show him great favor in the years to come, Lord. And uh, we are thankful that you have crafted Guy the way that you have with a deep and true heart towards you, Father. So I just Mm -hmm. pray for wisdom for Guy in these next several years. Pray that you would give him the ability to discern your will, to see right from wrong, Lord, and just lead our people really, really well. And, Lord, yeah. I pray that you would give God great vision in the next years to come as we go forward as a church. Uh, speak into him. Help him to be a participant in where you have called us to go, Lord. Yeah. I ask that for him. And, Lord, I just pray that you would go before him and smooth his road, Lord. Help him to be mm-hmm. a man that can walk blameless, can walk pure before you, Lord, and a man that understands and recognizes how much he needs you. And he has exhibited that in so many ways, Father. I just pray that you would deepen his humility, Lord, help him to always turn to you, always to hear your heart, always to feel your spirit, and to guide our people well. So we are just thankful for this man and his wife, Lord. I pray that you give them great stamina in the years to come, Uh, many sacrifices involved with being an elder. And I just pray that you would give them joy uh, in the, time where they can just revel in you having them, Mm. Father. We love you and we praise you. We thank you for this couple.
4: God, uh, what a weighty and incredible and divine thing it is that you would make an elder. You make elders and you have formed Jimmy through the gifts that you've given him, the circumstances and situations which you've led him through. And all along, uh, you have been uh, crafting together that story. And Kelly is such an important part of that story and even instrument in Jimmy's sanctification. And mm-hmm. God, we thank you for that. And God, I pray <laughs> a strong protection and blessing over their marriage that uh, as Jimmy uh, begins to serve as an elder at Stonegate, that you would continue to create great unity and intimacy and affection between them. Uh, that you would protect them from the schemes and devices mm-hmm. of the evil one that you would watch over them and those moments of discouragement and trial and difficulty that you would be their rock and their provision. And God, may you uh, bless them, not just with fruitfulness, but faithfulness, that they would have a long obedience in the same direction. And God, uh, we just find ourselves celebrating, worshiping that you have provided this moment. You made this moment. God, uh, the words of just Peter ring in my ears right now, that uh, Jimmy would shepherd the flock of God that is among him. That he would uh, have a heart and uh, a conviction to lead well, to lead as you've led Jesus by laying his life down so that others can flourish. Mm. We pray these things in your holy name. Amen.
0: Amen. Stonegate, one of the things when I think about uh, the men on this stage that I love is I feel like if I died tomorrow you would be in great hands. And I'm so deeply grateful for that for each of you men and the faithfulness that has been so consistent and so wonderful for such a long time. So could we say thanks to Jesus and to these guys? Right. So,
4: so. Real quick, we would be remiss if we didn't take a moment today to appreciate and affirm Rodney and Laura. So I'm going to have Laura come out. Let's go. They didn't know about this, the first service. And so I
0: um, have this spiritual gift yeah, to be really uncomfortable thing, in moments so. like this. That's my spiritual gift.
4: But I just want to say a few mm-hmm. things. First, um, you're a servant leader. Mm-hmm. Like that's just who the Lord's made you to be. Mm-hmm. So nine years of faithfulness of being willing to follow and trust Jesus And to lay down your life. So Jesus says he didn't come to be served, but to serve Mm. and to give his life away. Mm. And that's what you've done for the people of Stonegate. Mm. And you've done that in an exemplary way. Mm. And to watch you love Laura and your kids Mm. in the midst of that has been an incredible example for many of us in this church. And Mm. so I'm thankful for you and your leadership and your wisdom and also just your friendship. Yeah. So absolutely. Yeah. Dave, did you want to say something too? (laughs)
2: Yeah. <laughs> Words actually escape me when I think about Rodney. They do. I just uh, haven't walked alongside Rodney for these many years. It, it is an incredible thing to see how God has gifted him and the way that he has served our body. Uh, there's never a day that he's not worried about our people and not concerned about our people and making sure our people are cared for and loved. And uh, He's just a man that God has incredibly gifted. And I said this in the first service, you know, part of me wants to say, what incredible wisdom for a 37-year-old. But that wouldn't be accurate. It's just what incredible wisdom Mm -hmm. this man has. And as I think about us going forward as a church, we could not have a stronger, more gifted, more loving man than Rodney Hobbs. Mm -hmm. And uh, we should all be thankful for the. Provision that God's given us in this mm-hmm. man and his wife, obviously. Yep. <laughs> <laughs> the better half We've, of this deal. <laughs> yeah. We'll take Laura first. And
0: then I, <laughs> As you should.
2: But yeah. same with Laura. What a yeah. great family and how they've served this body and they've raised their family and have adopted children and just set such a great example of what a disciple should look like mm. and brought the word week after week and just loved our people well. Mm. We love you. So yeah. just yeah. want I to say you that. That. amen. Yep.
4: amen. Thank, you. Thank, Thank you, guys. Thank you, Hey, let let me pray for you real quick. Dave's right. We'd love to pray for you guys. God, it's an extraordinary moment you have us at as a church family. And uh, we get to step into something new and exciting and believing the best is yet to come for us as a church. And even right now, though, we find ourselves pausing and just worshiping you, glorifying you, God, that 10 years ago you birthed a dream and a vision in the heart of Rodney and Laura. And many lives, hundreds of lives have been impacted by that. So, God, thank you for using them. Thank you for their faithfulness. Thank you for their humility in leading our church. And we love them deeply. In your name, amen. 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 Thanks, guys. Is that your mic?
0: Why don't you bow with me and we'll finish up. And I want to give you just a minute to allow the Spirit of God to speak to you and to talk to you and You know, the truth is none of us live overly honorable lives because of sin. But that's the wonder of the gospel. The wonder of the good news of Jesus is that Jesus, the highly exalted one, the one deserving of the utmost honor, descended all the way down into human flesh, all the way down into a servant of all, all the way down into a death Even a death on a cross. You know, it's not just the fact that Jesus died that's important, it's also how he died. And the the how is up on a cross. It it was the the sort of the instrument of execution intended to bring the most shame on a human being. So you're stripped publicly, You, you lose all bodily functions publicly. And then you die, not in the privacy of a home, but before people. It it was meant to produce shame. Jesus, the the highly exalted one, deserving of utmost honor, endured our shame so that then we could be honored. That's the wonder of the gospel. And may we be refreshed by that today, encouraged by that today, I just pray this week, God would give you names and faces of people that that you can intentionally go out of your way to honor. In your group this week, that that you can go out of your way just to create a moment to honor those in your group. To not just think nice things, but to say them in front of them, in front of others. God, God, help us in this. And it's in your good name that we ask that. Amen. Thank you for listening to this message from
5: Stonegate Church, a podcast is never meant to replace gathering with your church to hear the preaching of the Bible. So we want to encourage you to be part of a local church family. We meet every Sunday at 9 and 11 a.m. and would love for you to join us as we enjoy Jesus together.